Welcome to the, It Hurt, But I'm Healed podcast show, brought to you by Faith Beyond Measure Ministries, where healing meets inspiration. Join your favorite host, the Reverend Sybil Kears, on a transformative journey towards spiritual and emotional recovery that will uplift your soul. Don't miss out. Tune in and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to embark on this healing journey with us. We are so excited to be with you for another episode of It Hurt But I'm Healed podcast with your favorite host, Reverend Sybil Kears. So today's topic is going to be about church hurt. Now, I know that phrase raises a lot of emotions with people, and we're going to deal with that because we definitely need to heal from the perception of church hurt. Whenever someone uses that terminology, oftentimes it brings about thoughts of people who uh, either were hurt by others in the body of Christ or they imagine people who don't have a regard for what being a part of the body of Christ truly means. Another reason why this phrase, church hurt, invokes so many emotions is because sometimes we don't realize what the word church means. We're going to deal with that too. Now, I know it's difficult to perceive that Hurt is going to happen as long as you have breath in your body. There is hurt that's going to occur. And even though we deal with all kinds of hurt, there's not many keynote phrases that is used to describe a particular hurt as is the phrase church hurt. Uh, I don't hear people say, I have job hurt. I have manager and supervisor hurt. I have discrimination hurt. I have abuse hurt. I have Walmart hurt. I have being broke hurt. You know, these are all things and it might sound facetious, but I'm, I'm just saying, why does the term church hurt in specific detail resonate such negative emotions? And it is a phrase that people can't let go of. It has its own definition. It has its own meaning. It even has a particular distinct definition in people's minds about what church hurt is. Now, do I challenge the notion that people get hurt while being a part of the body of Christ? Of course not. But the goal for us tonight is to Deal with the issue and try not to just go along with things just because it's a commonly used term or phrase. So let's deal with the word church first and foremost. What does church mean to you? Is it a place that you go? Is it an organization by which you have a membership to? What do you envision When you hear the word church, what does that mean to you? 
Because see, if we go to the Bible and we take a look in Ephesians 5, somewhere in near verse 27, let's say, it talks about how uh, Jesus wants the church to be presented to him without spot or wrinkle. Some versions say spot or blemish. So that she, meaning the church, may be holy. When Jesus returns, he's not coming back for a building. He's not coming back for an organization. He's not coming back for a religious group. He's coming back for his bride. And once we understand what the word ecclesia really means, which is a a terminology that's used to describe the church, and it comes from the Greek word ecclesia, we realize that church is not a place to go. It's not a, a, a group or organization that is governed by bylaws and 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 rulers that are, are um, dictators. That's not what church was supposed to be. Now it may seem like that's what you deal with whenever you think about going to church on Sunday. But the truth of the matter is the church that Jesus left behind, the church that Jesus is coming back for, will not be found in a geographical location. And we have to get away from this mentality that church is a place that we go to and start accepting that church is who we are. We are to be the church that Christ will return for. And I know it's kind of fuzzy for some people because for so long, church has been identified as a, as a building, a location, a place to go. And we use the term church interchangeably with house of worship, with temples, right? A house of worship, God's house, that is a place to go. But it is not necessarily the quote-unquote church. Ecclesia means a gathering of people, a powerful gathering of people. So when we think about the church that Jesus is coming back for? Has that church really hurt us? Because I've not read anywhere in the scriptures that Jesus hurt anybody. In fact, when there was a time when his, uh, when Peter cut off the ear of the soldier, he immediately put it back and mended it with, with the same love that he comes today and heals us from things that we deal with. I've never read where Jesus hurt anyone, even when he flipped over the tables out of anger for the people turning his father's house into a marketplace, a den of thieves. I've never read where Jesus left behind things for us to hurt from. He bore all of our pain, all of our iniquities, all of our sin. He was struck and beat and 
spat on and ridiculed and he took all of that for us so that we could live and live abundantly. Nowhere in scripture have I read that the church that Jesus died for was created to hurt anyone. So when we truly identify that it's not the church that hurt us, but the people in the organization or in the location or in the building upon which we go to fellowship and worship that may hurt us. It is not the quote unquote church that hurt anyone. And so I wonder how our father feels when we toss that phrase around so freely. We know that the devil is the accuser of God's people. And one of the ways that he is so crafty in his ability to use us against the church is because he knows that the power of life and death lies in our tongues. So often people throw out words and they don't understand the power that they're spitting out. Because I think if they truly did, they would be much more careful about what comes out of their mouth. Now Jesus taught us in Mark, that Mark 7, that it's not what we put in our mouths that defiles the body, but that which comes out. Because it's what's in our heart that comes out of our mouth. And so... If we have this idea that what Jesus left behind was intending to hurt us, then we would spit out something that sounds like church hurt. But is that true? Let's challenge that for a minute. And I know people will say, well, we don't really mean that it's the church that Jesus left, but it's because I went to this church on this corner, on this location, and the people over there, they were so mean, and the people over there were judgmental, and the people over there hurt me. They they didn't let me do what I want to do, and da-da-da-da-da. We can have on. I'm not negating that those things didn't hurt you, but all I'm saying is you must uh, place the accusation on where it lies instead of putting it on what belongs to Christ. Amen. Do you know how parents feel when somebody is lying on their child or speaking ill about their child and putting their mouths on their children? The same anger and and willingness to go and defend in them is, is the same way I believe the Lord feels when we put our mouth on the church of God. Because it's false and it's untrue and it is lies. And the only one that causes us to lie is the devil. So if he wanted to use us, what better way than to make us think that what we say when the power of life and death in this very tool that we use as vocal, being able to speak and articulate, if that is so much power packed in there, What better way for the enemy to use our most powerful tool (laughs) 
against the body of Christ than to make us think, oh, it's just something to say. It doesn't mean anything. Why would God tell us in his word that the power of life and death lies in our tongue if it wasn't so, if it wasn't meant to be taken seriously? We're told in the Bible that we will have to give an account for every idle word we speak. Throughout the Bible, it tells us to basically watch what we say. Why would that be mentioned in the Bible with all of the other things that we can be warned about doing? Why? Then, if our words were just some simple thing, a noise to come out of a hole in our face, without any meaning, would God tell us to be mindful about our mouth gates? Hmm, something to think about. So when we say church hurt, we are literally throwing an accusation out against the church, an indictment against the church, and it has nothing to do with the people who we are upset with because what we're saying, we didn't say Becky hurt. We didn't say Tom hurt. We didn't say this hurt or that hurt. We specifically said church hurt. (laughs) And there's only one true church, apostolic and universal. So if we declare it, do we not condemn the whole body for the actions of a few? How righteous And just is that. So now let's deal with the hurt. Because here's how the enemy will creep in and cause you to speak from your heart, a place of hurt that use your mouth to condemn the church. Jesus, when he left, he told us to love those who hurt us, pray for those who persecute us, spitefully use us. Oh, he had a whole list but none of which tells us to go and, and blaspheme or, or, or put down or tear down or do anything to those people who have hurt us. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's a walk in a park to just brush things off. I know when it hurts that it hurts. And see, they say hurt people hurt people. And this is true, but it only can happen when a hurt person refuses to heal. Some people are holding on to things that they should have let go of a long time ago. You are holding on to this unforgiveness. You're holding on to this grudge. You're holding on to the hurt because you feel justified in holding on to it so that you can feel the way you feel and say what you want to say and feel justified in the process. But there lies the trick of the enemy because to hold on to unforgiveness is literally saying, I'm going to drink this poison hoping that someone else is going to be hurt or die. And we know that's not going to happen. And yet, we find ourselves in this place where we're passing around this cup of poison to other people. Church hurt, here, have a sip. Oh yeah, I've been hurt before by the church. Let me have some, shoot. Because them people down there, they always act like they so high and mighty. And they always be the first ones to judge. They the first ones to do this. Yeah, hey, church hurt over here. Serving church hurt over here. Yeah, you know, hey, come on over. Sure, have a sip of this poison. And before you know it, we have more people spreading 
the church hurt news than the good news of Christ. Do you see how the enemy has worked that out? Now, let's talk about what goes on today. The problem is that for so long, people have tiptoed around holding people accountable for their actions, that because they don't know how to be an adult without being offensive, without being accusatory, with being adults and having a conversation in love, simply put by saying, excuse me, this did not really sit well with me. That kind of hurt my feelings. And I'm just letting you know, can we not go down this road anymore? Can we be considerate of others? Not in a way to be controlling, not in a way to be demeaning, but just to state the facts is what it is. What you said out of your mouth impacted me this way. I am your brother or your sister in Christ. I want you to care that what you said hurt me or what you did hurt me because I want to love you. And I don't want the enemy to use this thing to prevent me from being able to do what Christ said I was supposed to do, which is love you. So I'm coming to you as the Bible says to do. If I have an art with my brother or sister, I'm supposed to do what exactly? Go to the person instead of going to everybody else screaming church hurt. If we had more conversations, if we learned to talk more to each other instead of at each other or worse, about each other to everyone else, a lot of this hurt that we're carrying around would be dissolved. It would be resolved and we would evolve into a church family. But because the enemy knows that, he will continue to cause division and keep us blind. The scripture tells us that the enemy does blind the minds of those who are easily blinded. Second Corinthians tells us that. And when we truly believe in Christ, when we truly believe that what he did on the cross was the ultimate sacrifice, when we truly understand not just that we're saved, but what we were saved from, good God almighty, we wouldn't be walking around here so willing to be used by the enemy. Because it makes Christ's dying appear to be in vain. So this hurt that we feel is because, number one, we don't address the issue with whom we need to address it to. We don't know how to have adult conversations. We don't know how to be respectful. And and we definitely just don't know how to receive correction. That's my second point. We don't know how to accept responsibility. We've been pacified for so long. We've tiptoed around it. We've avoided the elephant in the room. And all the while, people are allowed to go around doing things that everyone knows is wrong. And nobody is willing to say, hey, wait a minute. That's not right. Let's pray. Let's bring God in the midst. Let's talk about it. Let's get therapy if necessary. Let's address this trauma that's causing you to wreak havoc and bring drama into the church. Let's do something positive instead of just sitting back, watching people go over the ledge and then talk about them as they fall. 
So one, when we start to learn how to have adult conversations, two, when we start realizing that it's okay to be corrected in love, then three, guess what happens? We start to realize that we can value each other as people and extend grace and mercy with the understanding that whether you are Christian from uh, being in the pulpit or a Christian way in the last pew, you're still wrapped in flesh. We are all subject to fall short of God's glory. Nobody is exempt. So if we stop coming to the body of Christ expecting to see perfect people, then maybe we would stop being so angry when we're greeted by people who are imperfect. Yes, we're going to have gossipers. Yes, we're going to have people who don't do things the way we think they should. And it doesn't mean that just because they're a Christian that they should automatically have it all right. Let's stop placing these unreasonable expectations on other people and let's start thinking more introspectively. What are some things that I can work on within myself to better handle what God wants me to do? And let me just say this as a sidebar. If you are the individual that goes everywhere and always see the problem, always see what's wrong, can point it out a mile away, everywhere you go, there's a problem. Everywhere you go, nobody likes you. Everywhere you go, there's an issue. Maybe you're the common denominator to the problem. You might need to sit back and really take inventory of yourself. There are people right now in the body of Christ who no one, not even their parents have ever corrected and they walk around feeling like they can't do any wrong. And when they sit on that seat of I can't do any wrong, they feel justified in telling everyone else what everybody else is doing wrong. See, they they place themselves in a high place. And the, and the Bible talks about when people exalt themselves, what happens? God will humble you. And you cannot keep building these high places in where God is supposed to be reverenced because he will knock it down every time. But see, before God steps in with wrath, he sends people to come with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to talk with you in love. And But if you're closed off to understanding that just maybe I may have played a part in the problem instead of thinking it's everyone else and always everyone else, then and only then will everyone be able to realize, hey, whether I intentionally did it or not, I may have played a part in this scenario. Big or small, I have a part because I'm part of this body. And when I walk around my room and I stub my pinky toe, guess what? My pinky toe may hurt, but I feel it all over the body. My head, my brain registers that there's an alert because there's a pain somewhere, okay? And in my body responds to that pain. I may uh, hunch over. I may 
grab my toe and rock. I may stop depending on how intense the pain is. I may have to pause to recollect and get my regroup and get myself together. But the point is, just because it was only the pinky toe that came into contact with something to cause pain, the whole body reacts. So we can't walk around in this lifestyle of being a Christian without doing those three things I mentioned. So as a recap, we can no longer say church hurt. No, so-and-so hurt me. And I can either, one, have a conversation as an adult to let them know respectfully that, that, that rubbed me the wrong way. And then two, I can also accept the fact that, hey, maybe I needed that correction. Maybe I needed that feedback. Maybe I need to recognize that I'm not perfect. And I shouldn't close myself off to thinking that I am. So that three, we can learn to have grace, extend grace and mercy towards one another. Some people have forgiven significant others from atrocious things more than they would extend grace to their fellow Christian brother or sister. You won't never know who's praying for you. Might be the same person that you have turned around and tried to speak ill against. Why? Because the enemy came and caused division and there was no communication where it should have happened. And so we take this place of hurt and we go out into the world and we paint this ugly picture of Jesus's bride. And and that is not fair to Jesus because he took more pain than anybody on this side of earth will ever endure. And honestly, when we keep talking about church hurt and we keep walking around with all this unforgiveness and we walk around like our mess don't stink and we walk around like we can't be chastised and corrected and we walk around thinking it's all about us and we walk around thinking this is my church, my pew, my pastor, my pulpit, my this, my members, and we do all of that. The truth of the matter is, we are hurting the church more than any church could ever hurt us. Now, there is place for hurt in the church. You know where it is? It's where people will come in hurt, but because the love that's there, they walk out healed. And the devil don't want that. So he's discombobulated the order of which how we are supposed to, one, perceive the church, and two, how we will be the church. If we continue to think that church is a place that we go to, if we continue to think that the pastor or the overseer is the only one responsible for everything and nobody else is supposed to play a role in the succession of the building of the church, then we will always find ourselves broken down into little itty bitty pieces. Jesus said a house divided cannot stand. And the world says you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And then the devil says, well, heck, let's let them fall in sin every time. Let's let them hate each other. Watch me throw my rock and hide my hand and watch them go at it with each other. And we're going to kick back and laugh. 
So I speak healing over your life right now. I speak right now that you would learn how to love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, love Christ enough not to talk bad about his bride. Be his bride. Be his church. Realize you are just as important and significant as anybody else in this body. Whether you are used for this gift or have that gift, your role is important. But you cannot be used as the instrument that the devil wants to use to divide this house. I pray that you will seek God And just know that God loves you just as much as he loves the one who offended you. So if his love is good enough for both of us or all of us, who are we to determine what we can and cannot do? Especially since Jesus Jesus died for us to be able to. He took all that mess for us because he loved us. And you want a few words to hinder you from loving someone else? just so it can keep you potentially from making it through the pearly gates, we can't allow that. Let's be the church. Let's stop saying church hurt. Identify who hurt you. Learn how to speak about it properly, effectively, and with love. Address the issue instead of running from it and going everywhere else talking about it. And that keeps it bottled up on the inside of you. You'll find yourself healing, feeling better. You'll be healed from a lot of stuff because holding that stuff in, whether you realize it or not, impacts you physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially. The holistic approach right now is on the table. Are you willing to let Jesus help you navigate through this hurt so you can be healed by his stripes? Are you willing to just entertain the notion that the church that he died for is not what hurt you, but it is the people in an imperfect world filled with imperfect people? And just the same way that they make mistakes, so do you. So when you address it, that you can just have a little mercy and grace, that same mercy and grace that's been extended to you time and time again when you messed up. Can you be willing to wonder, God, how can I be a better person? How can you improve me, correct me, show me a better version of me so I can be more effective in your kingdom? Ask the Holy Spirit to help reconcile differences between the brethren. May not be the best of friends, but I promise you, you don't have to live in a place of hate. That's what the devil wants. And that's why Jesus died, so he couldn't get what he wanted. So don't be the one to give it to him. Give Jesus what he wants. He wants us to love each other. He wants us to live and live abundantly. He wants us to just feel the authority that we have from his dying, how he left us help, an advocate, a comforter, a guide. And that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Are you willing today to give it a try? Here's some practical steps. Write a letter to the person that hurt you. Address it to them. You don't have to give it to them. If you want to, you can. 
Well, write it out. Get it out of your heart. But do it in a way where you're addressing the issue. Be as, as transparent as you need to be, but get it out. And once you're done writing the letter, you can either burn it, tear it up, but it's out of you. And then the next thing you write is three things that you're grateful for. Practice that for a little while. Until you no longer feel any animosity about the person that you are angry with. And if it's more than one person, well, get enough paper and pen. Pray when you get done. Lord, help me heal from this. And watch him do it. Watch your life start to change. Watch how your heart starts to change things in you. And you will see how God will change things around you. I'm not talking about what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. If you do that, you will find that what you're angry with will never be more than what you have to be grateful for. For every one bad thing, you're writing three things to be grateful for. And if you can't think of anything to be grateful for without being repetitious and just repeating the the normal stuff, the big stuff, look smaller. I'm grateful for running water. There's places in this world, they don't have clean running water. We take that for granted. What if you didn't have running water? Clean running water, right? There's some people who are in that predicament. They weren't able to afford to be able to pay for certain things that we take for granted here in our homeland. And they're living without electricity. They're living without water, hot water. There's people going through. You don't have the issue. You better be grateful. You ain't got time to be grudgeful. God is too good to us. Well, I pray that this episode has spoke volumes to you. I pray that the next time you start to utter church hurt, that you stop and you remember this. And that you will identify the source of the hurt correctly. So we will no longer allow the enemy to use us to defame the church that Jesus died for. (laughs) The church that he's coming back for. We must be the church. And it starts with us. Amen. So God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. And keep, keep on listening for future episodes. Because the goal is to acknowledge the hurt so that we can heal. I'm your favorite host, Reverend Sybil Kears, and I love you with the love of Christ, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Thank you for tuning in. God bless. Thank you for tuning into the It Hurt, But I'm Healed podcast show with your favorite host, Reverend Sybil Kears. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, and share. Much love and success. God bless.